Blog Talk Radio. Take a licking. <laughs> there is someone waiting who will hurry up and rescue you. Just call for super chicken. Welcome to the Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer Radio Show, brought to you by Tractor Supply, where we give away more chicken poops and chicken-related prizes than anyone else on the planet. We are often imitated, but never duplicated. My name is Andy Schneider, but most know me as the Chicken Whisperer author of The Chicken Whisperer's Guide to Keeping Chickens, national spokesperson for the USDA Biosecurity for Birds program, and editor-in-chief of Chicken Whisperer magazine. Today is Monday, July 14th, and I would like to thank all of you for tuning in this afternoon on Blog Talk Radio. This is a live radio show that is broadcast around the world. This radio show is all about keeping backyard poultry, show poultry, and living a self-sufficient lifestyle. Each week, I welcome experts in their field to share their knowledge about different topics, including backyard poultry, show poultry, heritage poultry, gardening, cooking, and living a self-sufficient lifestyle. Be sure to visit our website, chickenwhisperer.com, where you can follow us on Twitter, become a fan on Facebook, and sign up for the completely free digital edition of Chicken Whisperer magazine. Once again, I would like to thank all of you for tuning in today to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Tractor Supply. Are you in the market for a new chicken coop? Want one that will outlast all the others? Then check out Urban Coop Company. All of their coops are made from 100% appearance-grade western red cedar with galvanized hardware and advanced all-weather joinery right here in the USA. Compared to other coops, Urban Coop Company coops will last longer and look better doing it. They're designed to be both beautiful and functional. In fact, they have earned the Chicken Whisperer seal of approval and are Chicken Whisperer approved. I invite you to browse their website to learn more about the many features of their coops and check out their integrated coop accessories that will make your life easier. Urban Coop Company is a family-owned business located in Dripping Springs, Texas, USA. They are passionate about building great coops because they know you're passionate about your backyard chickens. Visit them online at UrbanCoopCompany.com. That's UrbanCoopCompany.com. Introducing the Chicken Fountain, a new way to water your flock. The Chicken Fountain will change your life and keep your chickens healthier by providing clean, fresh water every time. No more daily cleaning of dirty chicken waterers. This semi-sealed system keeps every drop of water fresh and clean. 
proudly made in the USA, the Chicken Fountain will provide your flock with fresh, clean water for years to come. To order your Chicken Fountain, visit chickenfountain.com. That's chickenfountain.com. Do you provide a heat source for your backyard chickens in the winter? In most cases, it's not necessary. But if you choose to provide a heat source for your backyard chickens, it's imperative to use a safe and effective heat source, and the only one I recommend is the Sweeter Heater. The Sweeter Heater is a safe, completely sealed, washable, non-breakable, energy-efficient, long-lasting and reliable specific area heater that comes with a three-year warranty. Ditch the dangerous heat lamp this season and invest in the only heater I recommend, the Sweeter Heater. Purchase the Sweeter Heater online at SweeterHeater.com. That's SweeterHeater.com. Ideal Poultry has been a family-owned and operated business since 1937. Their business is built on customer service and quality poultry. From rare white and brown egg layers to broilers, ducks, turkeys, and bantams, Ideal Poultry is the largest supplier of backyard poultry in the United States, shipping close to 5 million chicks annually. Visit them online at IdealPoultry.com. That's IdealPoultry.com. Established in 1957, GQF has become the name to trust when it comes to quality products and superior customer service. GQF offers a wide range of poultry products, including incubators, brooders, feeders, waters, and much, much more. Give them a call at 912-236-0651 or visit them online at gqfradio.com. That's gqfradio.com. Hi, I'm country music artist Nathan Osmond, and you're listening to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. And the mighty bird against prejudice continues his fight for law and order. So when you hear that cry in the sky, you'll know it's Super Chicken. Alrighty, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. We have a great show lined up for you today. It is Monday, which means we've got Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor, founder of First State Vet Supply. He's going to be joining us here shortly, and we've got a great topic for you. Um, really, the science behind why your hens may stop playing due to the excessive heat or the excessive cold because a lot of times you look on the forums and uh, the emails we get and questions we receive uh, throughout the year, a lot of times when it becomes midsummer, the girls shut it off. <laughs> they just stop laying. It's just too hot. And, of course, also in the winter time, why do they stop laying in the winter? So Peter Brown's going to kind of give us some tips uh, to look out for and what, what we need to do if we all of a sudden find ourselves not getting any eggs from the ladies in the backyard, either in the uh, extreme conditions of a hot summer spell or a cold winter spell. And uh, right now I know all across the country we're dealing with some hot, hot weather but, you know, I think, what, in about 12 uh, to 16 weeks, we'll, uh, we'll probably be accustomed to cold weather as well in a lot of places. So we'll just uh, get the information we need to get, uh, to get today 
from Peter. It'll keep our backyard flocks happy and healthy. Hope you could join us last week. We had really great shows last week. We had Peter Brown that was on. Uh, we also and, uh, had a great topic with Peter. And then we had uh, Tracy join us from Purple Lotus Essential Oils talking all about essential oils. It was a very good basic show uh, to give a new um, listeners or uh, people out there that aren't familiar with essential oils, what they are, how they work, how they're administered uh, in an overall kind of general sense. That was a very good show we had last uh, Wednesday. And then Thursday, we talked to Richard Frutenberger, publisher of Back Home Magazine. He also had a really cool topic. And so uh, remember, all of our shows are archived for your listening pleasure. Uh, at several different places, but probably the easiest to go back and look uh, at the menu of all the shows we've done. And we are approaching 1,000 uh, episodes of this show, and they are all archived for your listening pleasure. You can subscribe at iTunes.com if you do that uh, for free. All of the archived shows are absolutely free. Uh, iTunes.com, podcast.com, Zoom. Dot com and uh, probably the easiest place is blogtalkradio.com where you're listening right now if you're listening live and um, because you can go through the menu and look at all of the different topics we've had over the last six years of broadcasting. So to give you an idea of how that's relative, uh, the show Friends and the show Seinfeld had somewhere between 250 and 300 episodes and we're about to hit 1,000. So that's pretty darn cool. And... Um, so, yeah, six years of broadcasting and lots of information over the years that you can get from our panel of experts we've had come on the show and teach us how to keep our backyard chickens happy and healthy. I want to remind everybody that we're right smack dab in the middle of a chicken coop contest. Not one on Facebook. We are taking the month of July off, but we are giving away another awesome Urban Coop Company chicken coop, the Round Top Coop. Uh, in our summer issue of Chicken Whisperer magazine. Uh, all you have to do is go to our Facebook page. I've been posting uh, about daily, maybe every other day, the exact link of where you can click and go enter that awesome contest. Urban Coop Company was gracious enough to uh, donate one of their awesome round top chicken coops for our magazine contest for the summer issue, and you can enter absolutely free. And it's pretty simple to enter. I think all you have to do is, in 25 words or less, and I know that's very difficult, uh, tell us why you love keeping backyard poultry, and that'll be the... Uh, uh, the logists of uh, that entry, but um, I haven't uh, been notified the winner yet of our spring contest. That was an awesome contest as well, and that also was a beautiful coop and um, from Green Chicken Coop Company. That was our spring issue, so I'm um, hoping I'll be able to uh, get that information very soon and announce the winner on our Facebook page and, of course, Twitter and right here on our Blog Talk radio show, so um, hopefully... Um, it might be you. <laughs> if not, you can go ahead and enter the contest again for uh, the summer issue and get that coop delivered right to your front door. you got to love it. So uh, today's show, again, we're talking all about why your ladies may stop playing in uh, extreme weather, whether it be uh, too hot or too cold, and uh, kind of give us an idea of what we need to do, what we need to look for, and what may cause that with our birds. And uh, to do that, we've got Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor, founder of First State Vet Supply, if they don't have it, you don't need it. And um, he's here to join us. Let's give him a round of, uh, or a big round of applause and a, and a welcome for coming on today. Hey, Peter, thanks for joining us. Hope you had a great weekend. Yeah, I did, Andy. Um, we may have some phone issues here this morning uh, or this afternoon. Um, 
I don't know what the problem is. We got some <clears throat> severe thunderstorms to our west, and that may be interfering with uh, uh, with the telephone system. So we keep uh, if I keep fading in and out and getting complaints, I have to switch to a different system. I hope that works. Okay. Right now you're sounding loud and clear. No worries. But I'll keep you I'll keep you monitored. Okay. Yeah, because it may be just on my end. I, I don't know, but I've had several phone calls this morning. Um, some were on cell phone, some weren't, and it kept fading in and out, fading in and out. I just did it there while I was talking to you. So if it gets to be annoying, um, let me know, and uh, we'll we'll go with it from there. No problem. We'll do. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, the sub subject today is kind of an interesting one. Um, mm -hmm. We I'm not going to go into the greatest and greatest of detail because people can go back in the archives and look at uh, mm -hmm. some of the stuff we did, uh, you know, with the hormonal systems uh, as it related to. Uh, uh, egg production and fertility and, and so on and so forth. But this is an interesting one because uh, uh, many people uh, have asked the question, uh, and this, this came up not too long ago, uh, somebody asked the question on one of the Facebook pages and, and I thought about it a little bit. I said, well, gee, you know, that make a good show because of the fact that uh, I don't think uh, most folks do understand uh, the rhyme and reason. And the, the reason for uh, that uh, birds will stop laying eggs uh, is a multi-faceted uh, multi uh, uh, situation, meaning not necessarily one particular thing, um, more so maybe in some cases one thing leads to another. Um, when we talked about supplementation, um, we talked about uh, having enough of one particular uh, vitamin, mineral, or, or vitamin-mineral combination, amino acid, but not enough of the other to allow everybody to get together and mingle and, and, and do their job. That's kind of what happens um, for the most part um, in uh, uh, the, the problems associated with the uh, birds uh, you know, stopping laying in, uh, in, uh, in warm weather. And to a degree, uh, the same thing applies um, uh, for birds that uh, in extreme cold weather will stop uh, uh, stop laying. Um, if we go back and think, put our thinking caps on, <clears throat> and go back and we, on, on numerous occasions, uh, I have said that, um, uh, number one, laying an egg for a chicken is a monumental undertaking, a, a physiological uh, task that is, that is huge and, in, in, and involves just mm -hmm. a tremendous amount of, of different systems and uh, Kind of like your car these days, you know. In the old days, you know, uh, um, you know, it was from my perspective, you know, a, a hammer and a screwdriver usually got you home. Uh, you know, today uh, in the more modern cars, if something goes wrong, um, a hammer and a screwdriver are not going to do very much for you as a general rule. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> and, uh, chickens are kind of like that. You wouldn't think they're quite that sophisticated when it comes to uh, to these things, but they they are. They are a, a, a um, very interesting <clears throat> machine, and uh, so I've said before that you know laying eggs for for chickens uh, is not necessarily uh, their primary purpose uh, in life. Uh, their primary purpose uh, uh, years back uh, when they were really jungle fowl was to lay eggs for reproductive purposes. Uh, today we've modernized them and, and, and tweaked them and, and so on to the point where. Uh, we can almost get them to lay eggs on demand uh, in most cases. So um, it's easy then to see that um, if this is not a, 
system, the egg-laying system, the ovaries, the oviduct, uh, and so on, um, if this is not a system that they need for survival, then it becomes a little easier to understand that it is the reason why it's the first thing to go. Uh, so when a bird is threatened in any way, shape, or form, now you might think, you know, well, how is a bird threatened uh, when you're just standing around outside and it's hot? Well, if we put our thinking caps on again and we go back to thinking about what we did uh, in some of the past shows when we talked about the heat in a bird's system and how they struggle to keep themselves cool, um, all of these things play into the fact of, as to whether or not the bird will continue to lay eggs. And how severe that is and how prolonged that is will, will uh, um, dictate whether or not the bird will remain in production and can, or continue to be in production. And uh, so birds that are, are um, under the, uh, the stress of uh, very high temperatures, and I say very high, usually these kinds of things, these changes start to take place uh, when the... Uh, uh, what's called the ambient temperature or the air temperature, the, the common temperature gets above uh, 90 degrees plus and especially uh, uh, can be uh, uh, harder on the birds when, when they, and humans as well when the humidity gets high, which we've had uh, numerous days of here. And I'm sure other people are experiencing uh, all throughout the country different levels of, uh, of humidity and heat. Well, we also said that the birds have a greater... Uh, tolerance for cold. So as it gets colder out, uh, while they may slow down a little bit, the ones that are more sensitive to those things and have a more difficult time keeping themselves uh, warm, you know, may stop laying eggs uh, or doing more of a skip-a-day thing, uh, lay an egg today and not an egg tomorrow and, and, and those kinds of things. So it, it really does depend uh, on uh, a bird's particular situation. It depends on the temperature. It depends on the stress level of the bird. Now, stress comes uh, in, in all different uh, uh, fashions. Uh, there's the stress of being without water. There's the stress of being without feed. There's the stress of being without food and water. Uh, there's the this, this stress of uh, constant uh, harassment from males and or other females uh, in a pen. Uh, there's the temperature. They're hot and cold. Uh, all of these things are, are stresses, and if we go back again um, and we, we, we think about things that have been said in the past, we talked about uh, hormones, and we also talked about uh, the, a specific hormone called a corticosteroid. And um, during these periods of stress, these corticosteroids are uh, produced by the bird's endocrine system, uh, and basically endocrine meaning a, a system that does not empty out into any other organ directly. Uh, the endocrine system is responsible for, for uh, the helping to release uh, hormones from different uh, areas of the body through uh, hormones that it may release itself, and then these glands uh, drop them into the bloodstream, and then they make their way to the appropriate places and start to the, uh, the ball rolling in the different areas, such as the ovary, uh, maybe the gonads, or the testes of, of a male, uh, and so on. So all of these things uh, have a play one on the other, and um, 
once the corticosteroid level becomes uh, dominant in the blood system, uh, it has a tendency then to have a negative effect on reproduction. And uh, it is for this reason that uh, when birds are under uh, extreme stress, um, this could be overcrowding, uh, again, uh, too much heat, too much cold, too much water, too much wind, uh, too much noise. Uh, it just depends on the particular bird's makeup, uh, how sensitive they are to some of these things. Uh, some of your larger fowl, uh, it doesn't matter so much. Some of your, your smaller birds that are... are um, uh, uh, more ner of the more nervous type uh, have a tendency sometimes to have uh, more of trouble with some of these uh, uh, these things like uh, flightiness uh, and, and so on. Uh, flightiness was a, a, uh, and a and at times is a problem in, in white leghorns um, and has been so over the years. Uh, a bit of problem associated with uh, with uh, flightiness and flightiness means less egg production. Uh, and it not only means less egg production for the one that's really flighty, but pen mates that are uh, agitated by the, by the same thing. Uh, so all of these things uh, have a, 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 an effect, a deleterious effect, a negative effect on uh, the bird's ability to produce uh, eggs. The um, corticosteroid, um, when it's produced, is generally produced uh, by the adrenal glands. Uh, they are uh, two small glands that are in the uh, anterior uh, part of the, in, the, in front of the kidneys on both sides, so there would be two of them. And um, uh, they're, they're quite small uh, in, in, in size, but they carry a big stick. This corticosteroid can't be really, almost really talked about enough. It, it has such a negative effect on, on, the, uh, on the birds. It also has a negative effect on the immune system because this is the flight or, fl or fight syndrome uh, that we see. So when these, this particular hormone is produced in quantity, uh, we also get birds who have their, an impaired immune system because of it. It's temporary as long as the level of the corticosteroid in the, uh, in the bloodstream uh, is relatively high. As that, as that system, uh, as that wanes out of the... Uh, the blood system, then they sit, all systems start to come back uh, somewhat to normal, okay? So that's one methodology of, of why uh, birds don't produce eggs uh, very well. This doesn't mean that every bird you have is going to stop uh, laying eggs. Some of this is genetic. Uh, some of it can be disease-related. Uh, all of these things, uh, uh, genetic influence, uh, um, uh, on things. And to give you an example of genetics, okay, uh, recently I read an article. Uh, the, the, uh, you, one would think that because of the fact that uh, the price of soybeans and corn has come down dramatically from what it was approximately two, three years ago, uh, still may be high, but still has come down from the, the crazy prices that were around back then. Well, a lot of the commercial poultry companies at that time uh, started cutting back on breeding stock uh, and so on and so forth. But one of the major players in the breeding parent or grandparent breeding stock, these are the people that supply the parent stock, grandparent stock for uh, multiplier flocks. So that if, if I were Purdue, I would buy these birds from these people and then I would uh, hatch out eggs from, from these, uh, these, these birds. 
and, and use those as, as my, uh, my, uh, my broiler birds in, in the chicken house. So unbeknownst to anybody, the particular uh, breeding company who has a reasonable share of the market with this particular uh, breed, and it was a Ross, don't remember the number off the top of my head, but it's not important, and uh, the company was Aviagen, got about 25-30% of the worldwide market. That's huge. And, uh, but unbeknownst to anybody, they had tweaked this bird genetically, which companies do all the time, and they don't hang up a big sign outside unless it's some real monumental breakthrough. So every time they make a little tweak or something, um, you know, they, they, they generally don't say a whole lot about it. Well, one of the companies here in this country, and I do not remember their name, it's a material, um, was having a problem with hatchability. The uh, eggs were just not fertile. And there were a lot of clear eggs, and this was, um, I want to say it was a real high percentage. I think they're only getting about 60% uh, hatch out of these uh, burrito flocks, one that should have been, uh, you know, uh, broiler breeders don't hatch huge uh, numbers anyway, but it should have been up in the 80s, and uh, they, they were not getting that by any stretch of the imagination. And, um, you know, after making some tweaks of their own at the farm level, changing feed, changing this, changing that, and everything else, then they turned around to the uh, uh, parent uh, breeder stock company and said, hey, you know, we need help. This, we can't live with this. And because of this problem, which evidently became uh, a huge problem here in the U.S., uh, it caused the price of chicken to go up by about 30 cents a pound. Now, you wouldn't think so. So you, you're looking to say, see, well, the feed came down and, and, and the feed right. were cheaper and everything else. So, you know, you would think this. But what the problem was, well, they had tweaked this bird, and um, evidently it didn't show up in their own uh, in-house testing at the, at the breeder company, but it did want the bird get out in the field that the bird ate too much. And when they eat too much, what happens to them? They get fat. When they get fat, what do they do? They don't want to mate. And therein lies, lies the problem. So this genetic uh, situation um, can be with any bird be with any group, especially uh, a lot of folks today breeding different lines of birds, a lot of inbreeding going on to get uh, different traits that people want and, and this and that and the other thing. So, you know, <clears throat> when, you, uh, uh, when you inbreed, you, you get the good with the bad, and lots of times you get a whole lot of bad before you get a whole lot of good. So, uh, you know, th this is just another example of how something genetic uh, would influence the outcome of, uh, of a person's hatch. And... Um, it's an ongoing process because now they had to go back, the parent breeder company, and um, go back to the original uh, male that they had for that particular mating and reproduce it and then reproduce it in numbers, and they're still struggling to get that done. And then uh, the, the breeder companies here who had cut back a couple of years ago were in the middle of trying to resupply those flocks, trying to get back up to speed, so they have a double whammy effect because they never recovered from the original uh, uh, situation where they were, you know, reducing bird numbers. Uh, they never got back up to where they were. And we also, in this country, we export an awful lot of chicken. So between all of it is tightened up the chicken supply here and raised the price 30 cents a pound. So one would not have thought that when you start to look at it. So genetic influence uh, for, for laying, for reproduction, uh, all of it uh, has a, a, a play in it. So uh, for those of you who have birds that it's 100 degrees outside and they're popping out eggs every day, count your blessings. 
because that's that's a wonderful thing. And for those of you that don't, uh, try to keep these birds as cool as possible. Now, the other scenario that comes into play here, and I think it's it's uh, it's extremely important. And we also did a show uh, where I went through and I talked about the vascularization of the comb, and we did the waddles, and we talked about you know skin, and we talked about a whole lot of things over the last couple of years or so that we. Uh, uh, been doing these shows, and one of the things that that uh, has been um, uh, found out and, and been duplicated in uh, research over the years has uh, even the old research is, is consistent with even with the, some of the newer research, and that is that birds who who are exposed to uh, high air temperatures uh, for extended periods of time uh, end up with um, because of their body trying to keep the, the bird cool. Now, remember we said birds can stand cold a lot better. There's a huge difference between a bird's body temperature of anywhere from 105 to 106 uh, to, uh, to uh, uh, the time when a bird would start to succumb uh, from uh, um, being too cold, which would be a, a core body temperature somewhere around 70, 72 degrees. On the other side of that, we do not have a great window of opportunity on the heat side with that 105, 106 mortality sets in at about 113, and that doesn't mean it's going to hold to 113. That doesn't mean a bird at 112 won't die on you. So you have a very, very narrow uh, window on the heat side, but you have a huge window on, on the cold side as far as that is concerned. But what all this has to do with at the end of the day in both scenarios, both the hot and the cold. Now, get this. This is very important to, to, to try to wrap your head around this. But as the bird struggles to stay cool when he's hot and then struggles to stay warm when he's cold, takes the blood flow from the, the secondary organs, okay, which would be the oviduct, uh, the, the, uh, the gonads, the, the testes, and, and, and so on, takes the blood flow from that in such a fashion that those organs cannot function. And it's all hormonally uh, produced. starts out with the pituitary gland in the brain. Okay? And <clears throat> the pituitary gland will uh, release factors that will release uh, things into the bloodstream to make everybody else uh, release their hormones. Um, you've heard me talk about... Uh, the ovary tree, when you do an autopsy on a bird, you'll see uh, there's a mesentery ligament that holds the, uh, this big blob of what looks like yellow fat. <clears throat> but if you really observe that uh, ovary tree, you will see the ovums from the day you euthanize that bird, maybe the one she was going to lay today, depending on the time of day, uh, or the one she's going to lay tomorrow, and, and you'll see the successive ones all the way down. So you have you have your large ones, then you have your medium ones, and then you have some real small ones that really almost look whitish. Okay, and those hormones are being are being uh, brought into play <clears throat> by those follicles. That's what they're basically called. So we have small follicles which are, are really, really small, look <clears throat> almost whitish like a pimple. 
to to ones that have started to uh, develop the uh, the yolk and have turned more yellow, and they're, they're still small, and then you have the larger ones that are are almost ready to to ovulate, but all of that is controlled by uh, by the hormones from those uh, organs, that ovary tree and the ovary. Uh, and, and everything else. So the pituitary gland can throw out that stuff, and it does. But if it gets to the over, ovary and it's not getting there because the blood supply, don't, don't forget, these are endocrine glands, and, it, and it's going to put it in the bloodstream. And if the bloodstream is not getting sufficient amounts to uh, the ovary, then we end up with this type of a situation where we do not have enough hormones to... Uh, what we call follicle-stimulating hormone. Everybody's seen the abbreviation for it, FSH, okay? And uh, that hormone will not be secreted from that ovary tree in sufficient quantities to let those little white pimply follicles continue to to, uh, develop, okay? And the longer that that situation is like that, the longer those little follicles will stay in that position and not become uh, more mature. And then you, when you're looking at this situation, <clears throat> and if this go, let's say it goes on for two or three days, you could get a hiccup of two or three days, maybe more, of a bird not uh, ovulating because of this uh, delay in the uh, release of the follicle-stimulating hormone uh, from the uh, ovary tree, from that follicle. And so uh, if you base that on the fact that it takes roughly uh, 10 days for an ovum to mature from a very immature white follicle to a large yellow uh, yolk or ovum. So with that taking 10 days in, uh, for, for that to happen, if those white ones and even those yellow ones, they're going to stay right there, they're going to stop because there's not going to be enough hormones to keep that cycle going. And um, so when this happens, um, everything comes to a halt. The, if it, and and the, the bad part about this, and this is why some birds, <clears throat> it takes them longer to come back into production after this. If this were a long-term uh, situation where it was just dismally hot, 100-degree days every day, and the birds were panting and drooping their wings every day, to, and some places it happens like this, okay, and it is a problem, even in the commercial poultry industry, to keep these birds cool enough. That's why you see a lot of housing these days. They've gone to these evaporative cooler systems, trying to bring that air temperature inside more, uh, more conducive to, uh, to what it would be for a bird to produce uh, eggs on a consistent basis. Because don't forget, even though they're not laying the eggs, you still got to feed them. So, I mean, the cost is there no matter what. So it would behoove you, uh, especially in a... In a uh, uh, small backyard situation where somebody's trying to use the eggs to for income or, or, or just sell off the excess for income and you've got regular customers and everything else and boom, the hot weather hits and everybody goes on strike. And uh, But this is the rhyme and reason behind it. The blood flow is being taken away from the ovary and the, the, uh, the oviduct and it's being pushed out to the comb, uh, the wattles, the skin, and the shanks of the legs and uh, that's going to be causing these uh, hormones to be deficient. So if the hormones are deficient for the FSH, the follicle-stimulating hormone, 
it will also be deficient for the luteinizing hormone, which is going to make the mature ovum release. So it may just sit there until there is enough luteinizing hormone, with the abbreviation for that is LH, to stimulate that ovum to break out of the vitellin membrane and be ovulated and uh, make its way down the oviduct and down into the shell gland and stuff to have an egg uh, shell put on. So it is a monumental undertaking. It is, uh, I've said this before and I'll continue to say it because it is. Um, I don't think any engineer could put it together this way. This is just a, a, uh, it's a tremendous system. I'm probably not doing it any justice by, by not going into great detail about every little hormone and everything else, but I don't think it's necessary, okay? But I think what it is necessary is to, uh, to understand that it is the blood flow. So we have talked about on this show on numerous times, and I've posted on Facebook numerous times, about how to keep your birds as cool as you possibly can. I realize that, you know, nobody can go out every day. Or I won't say nobody, but you, most people are not going to be able to go out every day and, and, and uh, stand them in a, in a bucket of cold water and so on and so forth. And, and so I certainly don't expect that. But taking uh, just, just running a fan, and, and putting it in a, in a position, you know, I've heard people say, well, the birds don't like it. I'll tell you what, it gets hot enough, I've seen them stand right around it, like they were standing at the bar waiting for a drink. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's just the way it is. And, and uh, you've, you've got to do things that, that will uh, bring that temperature down and help sustain uh, your, your egg, egg production. But it's nothing more, nothing less than that. Now, that being said, there is another caveat to this whole thing as well. When we have these temperatures like we have, what else happens to your bird? They do a couple of different things, okay, besides stop laying eggs. Let's assume for the moment, just, just for argument's sake, that these birds that you have have stopped laying eggs. And um, you're saying, well, Pete oh, was right. The blood flow must be going out to the comb and the wattles and everything, and it is. But there's another thing that they're doing, or not doing, and that's eating. It takes nutrition to make an egg. And so when these birds back away from the feed, which a lot of them will do, a lot of them will stay away from it when, when there is uh, a situation like this, Okay, because of the heat and the heat that, that you, know, you know, the metabolism of their feed uh, is going to produce more body heat. So a lot of birds will just go lay down and try to, try to get away from the heat. But when you see your birds panting, okay, they are struggling to stay alive. They are in trouble. So it's, it's important to uh, make sure that you uh, try to mitigate these circumstances as best you can. But the feed also plays a large role in this situation. So I strongly urge you to feed your birds as much as they'll eat early in the morning. And you can figure that birds with adequate water supply and most of the modern feeds that birds are being fed today, you can figure that within three to four hours that feed is going to pass. So I would stop feeding my birds after I knew that the ambient temperature uh, was going to be uh, getting well above the 85-degree mark uh, within that four-hour window of opportunity, okay? 
doesn't mean every bit of feed is going to be gone, but they will have metabolized most of the of the feed, and most of it that has been been taken in uh, will uh, dissipate, uh, and um, that way uh, you can keep them uh, as cool as you can during the the warmest part of the day. However, you see fit to do it: cold water, cold watermelon. It doesn't really matter as long as you take something, plenty of shade, move some air. Uh, it, it makes a huge, huge difference. And if you don't think it makes a huge difference when it's hot and humid like this, just go out on a day when it's breezy and hot and humid. The temperature can be the same outside, 90 degrees. The humidity can be stifling, but the air is moving and it feels cooler out, even though it really isn't necessarily cooler. It, it is probably cooler at your at your uh, your um, skin level. So um, it's it's extremely important because. Again, you have the initial stress, going to throw the corticosteroids out there. You have the uh, temperature robbing the blood flow from the, uh, the uh, uh, oviduct and the ovary tree and the uh, testicles of a bird. Um, and they just don't want to do anything. They're just like you and I. If we, you know, For the most part, if you go out and you're working in your garden and everything else and it's 92 degrees outside and it's hot and humid, you, know, you probably will take a break. Most of us do. Some don't. And again, some chickens don't. Some chickens go right on trucking and spitting out eggs left and right, and everybody's fat, dumb, and happy with it. And if you've got birds like that, you're very lucky. But that's basically the rhyme and the reason why birds do what they do uh, as far as the temperature is concerned. And in the cold, you're going to go the opposite way. They're going to take that temperature uh, that's outside, their body is going to evaluate it, and, and the colder it gets, the more blood flow is going to go out to the comb, the wattles, the uh, shanks of the legs, the skin, to keep the bird warm. So that's going to rob the oviduct and the ovaries and the testicles of the needed blood flow to make these hormones be released, released by the pituitary gland um, and, um, uh, you know, knock the bird out of production. Now, there, there are people I, I know. I know I know some people that have uh, have some birds that pretty much lay uh, year-round. Hot, cold doesn't seem to matter to them, but I also know that these particular people uh, are, are keeping these birds very well shaded, uh, a lot of air movement, uh, and things of that nature. Um, it doesn't mean the birds won't come back into production. They generally do. It just takes time for the the uh, uh, the hormones to to get back in balance. Now, this is not the same as as a bird who is out there and is at the end of its laying cycle. And um, uh, in that particular case, that's controlled by a different set of hormones. The main one being the one called inhibin. And from the day the bird lays its first egg, there's a tiny bit of inhibin produced by its endocrine system and as that goes on and again this is more genetic than anything else this part of it but as that goes on those birds will lay eventually less and less eggs as the inhibit hormone kicks in more and more every day and when it gets to a certain point there's more inhibit there than there is the follicle stimulating hormone and luteinizing hormone and uh, uh, all of all of these other hormones that are responsible for reproduction and egg laying stops and then it's just like a bird going into a molt and resetting itself. And, and, uh, and a molt is designed to uh, uh, 
naturally to let a bird uh, molt and uh, bring its body weight back down some and give its reproductive organs a chance to uh, to regenerate and heal and, and eventually go back into laying uh, eggs, eggs again. But if you remember as well, you know, to, to, to buttress up, not that it needs it, but the, uh, the feeding issue, uh, if you go back, and we've done it on this show, we've been successful with some people doing this, where we had birds that were prolapsed. And we took those, took those birds and we took them out of production. And the way we did that uh, was to take away food and water uh, for 24 hours or so, uh, water for 24, food maybe 24 to 48, depending on the time of year, okay? Uh, you certainly wouldn't take away water in the, where a bird was exposed to direct sunlight or anything like that. You might uh, go an extra day on the food instead of the water. But the point of the matter is you are trying through this molting process to say to this bird, you don't have the tools to keep doing this, pumping out eggs. We don't want it. We don't want your eggs today. You've got a problem, we're going to try to take care of it. And the whole object of that, then, is to get that bird to stop laying eggs. And we do that by putting it in a dark-out box where it has no light whatsoever, plenty of fresh air, uh, no water for the first 24 hours, again, depending on the temperature. If you've got a bird in the house where it's air-conditioned, it shouldn't be a problem. Um, and then when you do bring that bird back on food, you can't starve them to death forever. But that's not what we're trying to do, starve them to death. We are trying to starve that endocrine system. We are trying to make that system stop. Stop doing what you're doing. And then we bring that bird back, we give it water, and we give it just scratch grains, the bare minimum. No vitamins, no electrolytes, nothing. Because all that will do is help stimulate the system, and we're not trying to do that. We are trying to tell this system, we had enough of this, we're done. Cut it out. And in the majority of cases, it, it works. And it's, it's that type of a situation. So it is the same thing with a bird who is backing away from the feed trough because of the heat uh, uh, that is causing, you know, causing the bird problems uh, trying to stay alive. You just don't realize how much they are really fighting to stay alive at that point. Uh, it's, it's, it's very critical in these very hot temperatures to be very, very, uh, very, very careful with, with what you do. I mean, there's been a, I hate to equate the two, but there's been a rash of children left in cars. I think it's horrendous. Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, there was, uh, watched something the other day, and somebody did a, a, a I, think, I don't know, it was on, on, on the Internet or something, but he was sitting in a car for after 12 minutes. He was sweating like a dog, and, uh, the, you know, the temperature outside was uh, 90, 92 degrees, temperature in the car, I don't even know what it was, but it was stifling. And uh, it's the same thing for these birds. And breathing for them is tough. They don't sweat like you and I. Uh, the only way they can get rid of any uh, any uh, heat is, is through the, the comb and the waddles and the shanks of the legs, the skin, uh, and and breathing. And the more they breathe, the, the, uh, they dehydrate on you. And uh, so there's a number of, of, of reasons, and those are the main reasons I'm sure that some folks never thought it was hormonally related as such uh, as far as mm -hmm. the heat is concerned, that the heat would force that blood to the portions of the body that are trying to save the bird. And the, the, um, it's always important to keep in mind that, that laying eggs is a secondary sexual characteristic, and then that explains an mm -hmm. awful lot of the birds. <laughs> but, 
Absolutely. Hey, Peter, I'm going to go ahead and take a commercial break, and then uh, when we get back, we can uh, we can continue the uh, the topic, folks. If you're just tuning in, we're talking with Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor, founder of FirstStateVetSupply.com. Please visit him online. And today, we're talking about you know the different reasons why your hens may just up and stop laying uh, during the hot summer months or the cold winter months, and the uh, the biology uh, the biology biology that takes place uh, with, with the end. Very fascinating information, Peter. And uh, we're going to continue this, so stay with us. We'll be back right after this short break. When you need an incubator, think Brensi, the incubation specialist. Brensi has been a world-leading manufacturer of incubators for over 30 years. Incubators from 7 to 380 eggs with high-quality electronic and digital controls, including precise humidity control and programmable egg turning, all at surprisingly affordable prices. Visit them online at Brensea.com. Brensea spelled B-R-I-N-S-E-A. That's Brensea.com or call 1-888-667-7009. Enter the coupon code WHISPER at checkout and save 10% on their incubators, brooders, egg candlers, and other incubation accessories. When you need an incubator, think Brensi, technology you can trust. You've just entered a dimension of dirty water, a dimension of poop-filled water, a dimension of stagnant water. You've crossed into the dirty waterer zone. But up ahead is your signpost to cleaner water, the Bright Tap Chicken Waterer. The Bright Tap Waterer is fully covered. Chickens drink from special valves, so dirt and droppings can't get into the water. Chickens get sparkling clean water. You get less work. No poop-filled water pans for you to touch or wash out. Bright Tap, clean water made simple. Visit chickenwaterer.com to learn more. That's chickenwaterer.com. Cackle Hatchery is a third-generation, family-owned and operated hatchery. They offer over 193 varieties of poultry shipped directly from their facility in Missouri. It's their mission to enhance your life by providing you with quality poultry for showing, meat, enjoyment, eggs, and pets. They specialize in hatching purebred poultry and shipping day-old chicks right to your local post office since 1936. 4-H and FFA Youth Poultry Clubs get a 10% discount. Check out their website, CackleHatchery.com, for posted weekly specials and discounts. That's CackleHatchery.com. Pictures of chickens on aprons are common across America, but picture a chicken wearing an apron and you'll probably get a good chuckle. Laugh if you must, but nothing protects hens better than the Hen Saver Hen Apron. Hen Saver Hen Aprons protect your hens from the damage caused by an overly affectionate rooster and may even provide protection from an unexpected hawk attack. Hen savers come in several different sizes to fit both bantam and standard sized hens and roosters. Colors include camo, denim, navy, brown, khaki or black, and soon pink. Crazy K Farm is expanding its already colorful hen saver collection to include the color pink. 
A portion of their sales will be donated to organizations that fund breast cancer research and awareness. Order your Hensaver aprons today at hensaver.com. That's hensaver.com. Ware Manufacturing has been building quality hutches since 1983. Ware manufactures modern chicken hutches, barns, pens, and nest boxes designed especially for the backyard flock. Ware offers hutches and pens for every yard size and every chicken keeper's budget. Visit their website at waremfginc.com. That's W-A-R-E-M-F-G-I-N-C.com. Or call them to find a retailer near you at 1-888-824-7257. Ware Manufacturing. Looks like a job for... Super Chicken. You get the super sauce, I'll don my super suit. All right, thank you very much for staying with us today, folks, on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. It is Monday, which means we have Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor, and we're talking about some causes of uh, your hands not laying. It's uh, super hot and super cold and... Uh, very fascinating scientific information that Peter's sharing with us. So uh, I'll turn it back over to you, Peter. Yeah, just a couple more things here real quick. Um, <clears throat> this has nothing to do, uh, this type of a performance problem um, has basically nothing to do with the uh, daylight hours. Uh, that's controlled uh, by the uh, hypothalamus. And uh, while that does uh, help with release of some of the hormones responsible for egg production, um, we're not talking about that type of, of a situation. That, uh, so I thought I'd bring that up well, during the break. I was thinking about it, and I said, well, you know, maybe throw this out there, because you know, people say, well, what about lights? Well, lights uh, are only necessary when you're trying to, to extend the uh, artificial day length. Um, and that, that will then stimulate the, the brain and the hypothalamus to, to uh, uh, produce the hormones necessary to, to uh, either start or sustain uh, egg production. So uh, what we're talking about here is something quite totally different. Uh, these would be basically the lack of hormones reaching their target destination or the organ that they are re- intended to go to, such as the uh, testicles, the uh, the ovary, the ovary tree, uh, the immature white follicles, the uh, uh, medium-sized and, and larger uh, follicles, which would actually start to be the yolks themselves. Uh, and uh, so it is a totally different uh, uh, situation. And uh, last but not least, I guess, is to understand that uh, what happens when the birds... Um, start this panting process, uh, the longer it goes on, um, they change their body uh, fluid status from, uh, from acidic to uh, alkaline because of too much CO2 being, uh, being produced. Um, so this ends up you know, being an additional problem for, for the birds, uh, trying to keep them going. Uh, so once you see your birds uh, uh, you know, panting, um, the increased panting, uh, while it helps to cool their body temperature, it can throw them into this uh, particular 
situation where um, uh, it's uh, uh, an alkaline situation, turning the blood more alkaline instead of uh, being a little bit more on the acidic side. Uh, this is one of the reasons why uh, we look at electrolytes being given uh, during these, these hot periods of time. Uh, the sodium, potassium, and so on uh, will help mitigate that type of situation and keep that from occurring um, and uh, hopefully uh, keep the bird uh, hydrated uh, and keep them cool. It, it, it's, a, it's really an interesting story. It, it, it really is. I mean, even for myself, I, I do enjoy it. Uh, it's one of the reasons why I do what I do. Uh, but uh, all of these things have, have their, their, their place. And, again, it, it's, it's a monumental undertaking for, for a bird. Uh, but the, the, the corticosteroid is, is usually the big one. It uh, always has been and probably always will be. Um, I don't think there's any particular way uh, for anybody to, because you need the corticosteroids for, the, uh, uh, for metabolizing carbohydrates, fats, proteins, uh, and that kind of thing. And so in the right balance, they're okay. And that, that again, again, goes back to supplementation, not that we're talking really supplements here, but when we talk about supplementation, too much of one thing could tie up some other things because it isn't there in equal parts. And, um, you know, and that's been proven time in and time out. Uh, you know, in giving plain water to, to a, a bird that's already dehydrated or even a human that's already dehydrated is counterproductive uh, because it has an actual flushing effect. So you're much better off... Uh, if you don't have plain electrolytes, put vitamins and electrolytes in the water. You're much better off to do something than do nothing. But um, very, very important uh, and um, uh, very interesting uh, system, to say the least. So. Yeah, very interesting. It's, uh, and because, like I said, in the wintertime, a lot of people, like you mentioned, they said, oh, it's just a light issue. Yeah, not always. You know, and again, you know, when we did the the show, uh, I can't remember which one it was, but it was last year when we went through the whole thing uh, about uh, wind chill and uh, we mm-hmm. yeah. uh, you know, about keeping them warm and frozen combs and and how it all works and everything else. Well, if you're out there, uh, you know, if you're out there um, and it's freezing cold, um, you know, most people, not all, but you know, if you're not totally dressed for the weather, you're not going to stay out there long. And if you do, you're going to, you know, burn up energy and and all of these other things. And if you're out there long enough, uh, you know, you're not going to do a whole lot, whether you're a human or or an animal. It's just not. And uh, you know, in the in the winter time, uh, the bird is going to take the, that feed, okay, that it's using to warm its body, and use it for just that purpose rather than putting it into egg production. So there again comes the feed factor back into the situation. The corticosteroid situation comes back in because now we're under stress, okay? We're not panting and running around like, you know, uh, crazy trying to flap our wings or or, we're standing around with our wings grouped out and and our our tongue hanging out to the ground. We're just the opposite. We've got everything tightened up tight, and we're not moving, and I'm not doing nothing. I'm going to sit right here and eat my food and try to keep myself warm. And at the same time, I'm going to take my blood flow and I'll push it out to my skin and my shanks and my comb and my waddles and hope the heck I don't freeze to death in here. And that's, that's basically how it works. You know, and uh, so it's the same scenario. It's, it's the same uh, thing. Uh, and uh, it, too, is going to, even in the cold weather, cut off that blood supply to the ovary, oviduct, uh, the uh, uh, ovary tree, uh, the the uh, Immature follicles, the whole bit, right on down the line. And it's going to be the same scenario as if it were 95 degrees outside, just just the opposite uh, approach to it, but the same 
end result. So keep them cool. That's all I can tell you. And uh, if anybody Absolutely. needs any help trying to keep them cool, uh, remember this. If you've got a bird that you think is under uh, uh, heat uh, duress and you think that the bird may pass without some intervention on your part, uh, it is perfectly okay to, to, to give them a cold bath, but I would suggest some nice cool water uh, gavaged down the throat, um, not too much so you don't kill them that way, but uh, it is a, a lot quicker to bring the temperature down from the inside than it is from the outside, but you can do both at the same time, and I think the bird will appreciate it at the end of the day, and that's how you keep them alive. No bird should die from the heat, none. It just shouldn't Absolutely. Happen. And you can prevent it. Thanks. Thank you so much for uh, for joining us today. Great information is always a very timely topic, and uh, it's going to be probably a hot topic, no pun intended, because it does affect just about every flock owner that's out there. Uh, we hear the questions all the time, summer and winter. You know, they've stopped playing. What's the cause, and what what can I do about it? And okay. We can refer them now back to this uh, this complete episode. So, uh, Peter, awesome information as always. Love to have it when you're. Love to have you on when you're here uh, every Monday. Uh, if you enjoy what you hear. If you have any questions for Peter, it's chickenbr at firststatevetsupply.com. Again, that's chickenbr at firststatevetsupply.com. That is his website. And uh, go take a look at all the great things he has to keep your backyard flock healthy. Um, there is his website. Peter, thank you very much for joining us again today. We'll see you next Monday. My pleasure, Andy. Thank you. Thank you so much. Nowhere are you going to get this information, folks. I challenge you. Tell me where you're going to get this information when Peter's on. And I can tell you, nowhere. Um, he's a contributor to Chicken Whisper Magazine. He comes on every single Monday on this radio show. Uh, amazing information that you're not going to get out there searching the blogs, searching the forums, having somebody write an article because they're looking crap up on Google. It's just not going to happen. So we thank you very much for tuning in. We thank you for caring about your birds. We thank you for wanting to get the right information uh, from our expert guests when we have them on for your backyard flock. So thank you very much for tuning in. If you turned, if you tuned in halfway through, no worries. Every show is archived for your listening pleasure. This show will be archived in about 15 minutes or so at blogtalkradio.com. You can also, if you're an iTunes fan, you can subscribe to this at iTunes.com, Podcast.com, Zoom.com, and several others. But uh, probably the most popular is iTunes.com and right here at blogtalkradio.com. So we thank you very much for tuning in. We'll hope you tune in uh, later this week where we have even more awesome guests that are coming on this Thursday. Matter of fact, we've got poultry scientist and professor Dr. Bridget McRae, Ph.D., that's coming on. And if you'll give me just a second, I'll see if I can pull up what topic it is going to be on Thursday with... Dr. McCray, let me scroll down here. It'll be the 17th. Okay, very cool. Avian Bowl questions and trivia. So it's going to be a fun show on Thursday. Bring your thinking caps. Bring all of your knowledge. Bring your chicken whisper notebook. Flip through it. We're going to have an avian bowl, avian bowl questions and trivia. Sounds like it's going to be a fun Thursday. So mark it on your calendar. You're not going to want to miss it. It'll be educational and fun all at the same time. So thank you very much for tuning in today. We do appreciate it, and uh, we'll see you later in the week, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can find out when we're going to be on, what the topic's going to be at our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash The Chicken Whisperer. There you go. We'll see you on Facebook and Twitter. Visit our website, chickenwhisperer.com. God bless everybody. 